Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Happy 2019, weirdos. Happy New Year. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We, we kid because we love, because we're weirdos, and we got a lot of weird things to talk to you about today. Takes one to know one, you know? Yeah, I would say we, um, 2018, there was plenty of weird paranormal stuff that happened. Yeah. And we kicked off the year with our first episode was a, was a New Year's resolution for paranormal research in 2018. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I, I didn't do get remember maimed. that. I, I didn't get maimed. Sad, sad no, to no, say. No. I'm still working on it. No, but remember that we had the resolu- <laughs> resolution for paranormal research, not just oh. the resolution for getting <laughs> being victimized. Not just my personal right. resolution of getting attacked by a ghost. We yeah. did have personal resolutions, but with they- my life. Sorry. <laughs> the episode itself was a New Year's resolution for paranormal research. And that was our strong hope that there would be integrity return to the field of paranormal research. So what do you guys think now that we're a whole year later? What, it was a massive fail. (laughs) (laughs) I think integrity is going to take more than a year. I I think, you know, the people who have been showing integrity, uh, you know, for decades, those parapsychological um, researchers, uh, I mean, they're still showing it. Uh, But people are more interested or maybe just less knowledgeable about um, about them than um, people like Zach Baggins, for instance. I mean, that's what lots of people consider real paranormal research when it's really just entertainment. No one considers Zach Baggins real paranormal research. Let's just get that out there. No, but he's taken years to build up his paranormal credibility, as he says at the very beginning of his episode. That's right, that's true. Yeah. But I did have this is years ago, but I. Uh, Met with someone who I was going to possibly start the uh, L.A. and Hollywood ghost tour company with. And she actually said to me during our little meet and greet that we'll worry about telling a good story first and the fact second. And that was the only in- uh, meeting I had with her. No way am I going to go into business oh, with this man. person. man. Seriously. Boo. I would say nothing has changed uh, <laughs> And that, in that, most of the blogs I read are still don't bother uh, doing much of a foul up. Uh, they, you know, they, they don't really bother um, doing much of like verification of anything. So it, it pretty much, it's all the same. And plus that like the documentaries that came out this year. I mean, starting with Zach Baggins himself and the Demon House. Demon House. <laughs> <laughs> <We're there>. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, let's be honest. It was a little unfair of us to say that we were having a resolution for paranormal research when so much of it is out of our hands. But I think for the research that we did Mm -hmm. individually and as a group, I think we had the utmost integrity. Well, and a lot lot of new opportunities came our way in in 2018. So, you know, there's a lot that we were able to do personally. And I understand what you're saying, Wendy, but I mean, it, somebody's got to say something. And if it's us, it's it's got to be us. No, no, no. I was just saying that the episode being... A New Year's resolution for, it's like, usually when you make a resolution, it's something that you can control, that you, yeah. <laughs> right. Right, like it was more of our hope or... for 2018. But this yeah, is the first exactly. step, you know, talking about yeah. it openly is the first step. Definitely. And, and you for know, we've sure. seen with um, other people who are coming from TV, I mean, I think Grant Wilson, for example, is, you know, he's very interested 
in doing some real research. You know, he comes Absolutely. to it, you know, from from a background of, yeah, it's TV. Uh, but I, I think in his heart, you know, he really believes uh, that, you know, parapsychological research um, should unite with what's what's going on amongst the the ca- more quite casual ghost hunters. Well, that's that's exactly a good segue into what Scott kind of wanted to bring up as his story for the day. Today we're going over the best paranormal stories and topics and stuff like that we saw in 2018. And Scott, we were just talking to it before we started that you had mentioned Grant Wilson was one of the people who talked about the topic you wanted to bring up today. Yeah. And actually, just to piggyback on that a little bit more, Grant uh, has been very frustrated with trying to bring new shows to the air because what he wants to do doesn't quite match up with the TV criteria. And that's why he went and often made his own YouTube channel is just doing what he wants to do there. And it's just kind of like being honest and not trying to be showy and entertaining, but just informational. So, so I, hats off to that. Um, but something that I always find fascinating is when, for whatever reason, a theory takes hold and maybe begins to present itself in studies more and more often. Because you would think that something that happens in the paranormal world just continues to happen at the same uh, rate of occurrence and the same observations are made year in, year out. But when, for whatever reason, we start to see... Uh, Something that was only just a theory starts to present itself more and more. Uh, you start to wonder, is something changing on the other side? Or is there something changing about how we are able to perceive the other side? And something that we, because we went out and we got to have a lot of fun at a, a number of different awesome events uh, across the country this year. One topic that came up frequently uh, from John Tenney to uh, Dave Schrader and, of course, Grant Wilson is the idea that we're haunting ourselves, that we are witnessing something that maybe we even did, but it's coming across to us in this ghostly form, and we are attributing it to a paranormal occurrence. And uh, John Tinney had this amazing long story, which I won't fully get into here, but uh, he was helping uh, investigate a house where this old woman would hear children laughing and playing in the house. And... There's no history of kids ever living in this house, and he was never able to figure out what was going on. And many years go by, he decides he wants to stop in and pay a visit to this lady and see what's new, Is the occurrence, are the occurrences still happening? And that woman has either passed away or moved away, but now that house is full of children. And so was this woman hearing into the future of the house? And so that idea that time is kind of overlapping onto itself and bleeding through in some way, that's something that we heard, again, all of these different people talk about. So why all of a sudden are we hearing these stories? I have no answer for that, but I find it fascinating. Mm. You know, it, we had an episode kind of about that, about uh, how people are, are processing time and the whole idea of the block universe. That mm-hmm. um, To go back to the episode where we talked about it, the idea of the block universe is that um, you know, we exist in three dimensions, right? Like we go to see movies now, they're in 3D too. Everything's in 3D. Yeah. <laughs> but, so we exist in three dimensions, but then we also exist in time. And when you think about uh, the entirety of the universe, you picture it in time as like right now I'm talking to you and it's like a slice of time in the universe. So my that's like another dimension is this sl- like slice. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but every second is like a slice. And when you look at the universe as a whole, you can see the whole pie. 
and time happens at once, and we just experience it backward to forward. You know, mm, I mean, right forward. <laughs> yeah, 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 making everybody hungry. Right, but we experience it moving forward, and so this idea of everything has having happened at once that completely fits in with the time blades thing because maybe mm. you're seeing a different slice of the good old time pie. <laughs> uh, and I like how Dave Schrader, I, the first time I heard talk about this, it was Dave Schrader at a Chicago Ghost Conference many, many years ago at this point. And he said, you know, we always visualize time being a beginning to end, just a, a piece of string going in one direction. But what if that string is just crumpled up into a million, you know, just in, into a ball? And just everywhere the string is rubbing against itself, that's where we're seeing a bleed through. Of course, they would talk about things rubbing against themselves. <laughs> Well, but um, I mean, these ideas are ancient, you know, that time is is cyclical. So, you know, uh, they go back to, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, indigenous peoples and, you know, their concept of time. So, um, you know, it's interesting to talk about things that that may be changing because um, there seems to be a lot of change as well around... um, ETs or, you know, contacts with other intelligences. Um, I, I think I think we might be making a breakthrough in that area, but I'm not sure. You know, we're, we're, we're referring to, you know, maybe disclosure. Uh, that's what that's what I'm um, wondering the most about. Um, you know, of course, um, last year, right at the end of, of last year, uh, you know, uh, I think it was around the 15th of December 2017, which was actually um, the big Silver Bridge collapse uh, 50th anniversary. So mm-hmm. maybe that, but it was right around then. But that's why okay, that Okay, we're date, talking about the Silver Bridge Mothman 50th anniversary. Yeah, that, that date is strong in my mind. But it's also right around then when um, the New York Times um, broke uh, its discussion about uh, the possibility of the government still... Uh, studying the UFO phenomena and actual, uh, you know, Navy pilots uh, having interactions uh, with these strange objects. Now, I mean, that was a big news story. And also in uh, 2000. The only reason it was a big news story was because the guy from Blink-182, because he was in charge, because it's the same crap we've seen from Kenneth Arnold in 1947. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, and the New York Times is like, hey, the guy from Blink-182, maybe we can get some clicks. Right. Well, okay. <laughs> so, yes, let's let's explore that. But also, you know, I wasn't going to really go into that. I was going to talk about the strange object that uh, came close to Earth in October of 2017. And it actually just made news again in 2000. Um, in 18, in November. And that's something that uh, is an object from uh, another solar system. And uh, it was given a Hawaiian name because it was spotted uh, by a telescope in Hawaii first. And I have, I always freak out when I have to pronounce it, but it, it, it's a, it's Oumuamua. Do you okay. remember that? Which is story, different guys? than King Yama Yama from the Fruit Islands. Yes. Oh. Uh, Oumuamua <laughs> actually means, um, according to uh, experts um, that I don't know, um, it means messenger from the past, which is kind of interesting, you know, going with, um, you know, what you yeah. were talking about, Scott Marcus, about time and it kind of coming back to us. But uh, an expert that I do know, um, Lopaka Kapanui from Hawaii Paracon, um, he he says that it actually means messenger from far away. So either way, 
it's a compelling story because this object spotted by a telescope in um, Hawaii uh, in October of, of 2017 really got scientists to notice. You know, here's this strange object. They can't actually see it. They have to, they have to visualize it through. Um, through the way it's emanating light, to the, uh, to the, through the way that it's reacting with light, let's say. And so, you know, at first they thought it was like a mile long and uh, it was an, like an elongated, almost a cylindrical object. And then they, they, they um, changed their mind and then the calculation said that it was, you know, something like a flattened oval. But um, scientists took notice because... It like seemed to accelerate. It seemed to be of a you know a craft type of shape, and uh, there's been a recent article that talked about how this is changing the way we're discussing um, discussing the possibility of alien spacecraft. The Harvard a Harvard researcher. Uh, raised the possibility that it's a probe sent by extraterrestrials. I don't know if you guys saw that part of the story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, which Sweet. came out in November. Um, but they're, they're elevating uh, the discussion of possible uh, extraterrestrials, possible intelligent life in space. And um, there was a recent article that talked about how um, this interaction with this object has made it respectable to talk about the possibility of an alien spacecraft coming near earth and how would we know if it's a spacecraft or if it's a natural object so they're working that out now like you know what what would be the criteria that you would be looking for well where was this the how far away was this oh mama well it it sounds really far away to me it was uh, 15 million miles 15 million miles away, but astronomically, that's quite close. And <laughs> That's like next door. It was within our solar system, at least. <laughs> okay, yes. so it was that's, within that's, the solar system. All right. right. But it came from another solar system, they say. Cool. That's exciting. Yeah, so I'm just wondering, I mean, this, this news story is awesome because Harvard researchers are looking at it and saying... There's a possibility that this might have been a light sail craft. Um, that a light sail is something that um, a, a type of craft that that uh, it absorbs solar energy and that's how it flies. Ooh. And it's like, oh my god, what is going on here? Harvard researchers are saying this. It's pretty provocative. That's so, awesome. <laughs> and they're not being drummed out or anything like that. They're yeah. not like, you know, get out of here, Timothy Leary or anything like that. They're, you know, <laughs> people are, are listening to him. Well, I, I think the trend, you know, so far we're talking about trends in 2018. I think the trends of when it comes to UFOs and aliens, I think you find a lot less scientific pushback than you do with psychic powers and ghosts. And I think it's because in, on the sides of the culture war, it's okay to believe in aliens, um, but it's not okay to believe in God. And ghosts and all that kind of stuff have a like a, a religious aspect to it. And al unless we're talking about like alien sex cults and stuff, which if you have an alien sex cult, please send me your information. <laughs> please contact us immediately. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. Just, just a, an in invite to the Facebook group, at least. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, 
just interested in seeing your paperwork. Um, maybe you're, you know, uh, a quick a quick PowerPoint. But um, <laughs> the thing is, is that besides like the the people that worship aliens or like the you think of the cults and everything, the Raelians and right. uh, Heaven's Gate and besides, aliens are also very. You know, they're just believable to atheists. So I think you're going to see a lot less pushback mm. from that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that crossover is amazing that, you know, people who are atheists, you know, still find something for them <laughs> in our discussion. Right. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> subscribe to our podcast, please. But um, you got to believe in something. Yeah. And, and it's like it's, it's, it's bred into us. I mean, even... There's the book, The God Gene, and if you can't believe that in Jesus, then maybe you want to believe that Jesus was an alien. Yeah, absolutely. But I just think that things do seem to be changing, and I know um, there's a lot of argument right now about, oh, you know, um, there'll never be disclosure because, you know, the government can't possibly admit to um, having this knowledge of extraterrestrial contact with humans, but... I'm wondering what you guys think. I, I mean, I can totally see the argument that they wouldn't want to admit um, openly to a lot of these things because then it might open them to, you know, possible legal action or, you know, some people finding fault in, you know, what they did or didn't do. But I, I, I'm just saying, I'm just thinking it's, it's you know, such a big, a big thing that, you know, maybe that would push it forward. Maybe that people would, you know, scientists involved would think that, no, people have the right to know, you know, whether it's a good thing or not. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think that disclosure is coming? No. <laughs> once the, once there's a way to politicize it or, or profit off, I, I don't see there being much of a need or even the need for the secrecy. I just think it's just such a low priority in the uh, political realm. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's like they're going to hold off as long as possible until it becomes unavoidable. Right. Because it's Independence Day. We're looking up in the sky and seeing the, <laughs> the ships yeah. floating over us or something. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think John Podesta would have found out when he was chief of staff. Like he would have gone in there and he would like he, you know, if he would actually found out something when he was the right hand man of uh, our imperial president. He Bill was Clinton. the hand of the king. Yeah. I mean, he was... The, <laughs> You know, so when he was there and he could, he now he's still looking for it or he wouldn't even have a meeting with the dude from Blink-182, you know, he'd be like, no, forget about it. So I think if there was something out there, like, and I don't know how they'd keep a secret for 70 years. That's a big one. That is a big one. But have they? Have they kept the secret? Or, you know, do they just, you know, put something out there, put a little bit out there and, you know, enough to like release the pressure? But they don't, like, come out wholesale and admit to it. I, I mean, that was pretty dramatic, I think, you know, to, to find out that, that they're possible, you know, the New York Times reporting that there's possible alien artifacts that are being studied by Bob Bigelow. I mean, um, hello, that's a big thing. Right, but also, yes, and you know, Bob Bigelow was just on 60 Minutes talking about it, too, and he's like, I absolutely believe in aliens, you bet. And then he declines to talk more about it. And uh, I just think the fact that these guys won't be straight with it, it's almost like someone's writing the script for them. It's like when you were watching Lost. Now, you're yeah. watching <laughs> Lost, and sometimes like all of these problems could be avoided if people just answered the freaking questions. <laughs> That's true. Like, 
if everybody wasn't such a god darn mystery about everything and they just answered people like you would in normal life, I guess the show would be 18 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But I mean, when you have like ABC News, or not ABC, sorry, NBC News reporting um, that two Harvard researchers who suggested last month a mysterious object uh, viewed tumbling past the sun last year known as Oumuamua could be an alien spacecraft has made such theories respectable. NBC News reported Tuesday. I mean, okay, well, I mean, it's cool that big. I mean, I, I agree. I just, uh, I, I think Omo is a cool story, and I hope that they decide to beam over here or whatever. And yeah. I hope nobody, like, next time Omo comes by, I hope nobody, like, jumps in a bunch of Nikes and poisons uh, himself. Right, <laughs> oh, man. Right. Yeah, yeah, we don't want that. But I think there's maybe some change happening when you see. Uh, stories being covered in the New York Times or NBC reporting that it's acceptable to talk about the possibility of alien uh, spacecraft entering our solar system. I mean, that seems like a change. I think that's an awesome change. I do agree with you. Uh, I'm a little more cynical about it, though, and I think it's for the clicks because <laughs> none of these th- none of these things are headlines. Well, isn't everything for the clicks? That's the problem. But the thing is, the difference between the mass media accepting and spreading these things around and a government officially acknowledging it, you know, it's becoming popular. The paranormal world is cool now. I, <laughs> I, so. I think the, the best evidence of aliens is Donald Trump's Space Force. Oh. Space Force! <laughs> Space Force! Well, like, at least he's, he's such he's a like, loose cannon that, I mean, if he got some alien information, I think he would leak it totally. We need, oh, we yeah. need the best spaceships <laughs> The best lasers, the best. <laughs> no, but but the thing is, maybe he's maybe they came up. They're like, uh, they're coming, Don, and he's like, oh crap, and so he's like, call up the space force. But you know, he would like Allison said, he'll share it if he gets any. Yeah, info. he wouldn't do that on the down low. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have tweeted it out right, right. away. He'd have actually, he's like put a picture in or something like that. I'm like him like and a selfie with. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> check this out. I am the greatest ambassador of the planet Earth ever. Because I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm not going to be huge. Here. I, you know, I'm going to bypass the world and like take over the solar. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. what he'd probably, what he'd probably do is he'd try to put a Trump Tower on Mars. That would be the thing. <laughs> that would be the whole reason for disclosure. Would just be so he could put a Trump Tower on Mars. If you found out there was lakefront property there, he'd be all over it. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of reality TV, now, Wendy, your favorite paranormal thing in 2018 was a reality TV show, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, the show... It was I, Ghost Adventures. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I have watched... Sorry, a, I admit I've watched a fair amount of that. But um, the one that I really enjoyed this year was the Expedition Unknown had like a little mini series, Search for the Afterlife. So it was a four episode mini little investigation into the afterlife. So he talked about like crossing over and he interviewed a bunch of people who had had near death experiences. Uh, He delved into several different religious beliefs about where your soul goes. And he in the finale episode, he actually went and did the ayahuasca. (laughs) I'm going to say this wrong. Josh Gates did this? Ayahuasca. I this one. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And it, it like the fourth episode where he does the ayahuasca trip where, you know, a lot of people believe that it takes you to the brink of the afterlife. Yeah. Uh, that was the best coverage I've seen of, of somebody going through that process. And admittedly, I haven't dug too deep. <laughs> 
but I've heard about it and read about it and he actually did it and he had his cameraman there the whole time. And so you got to see him go through all the ritual part of it. And then afterwards he gets a recap of what it was and he's, his mind was clearly blown afterwards. So did he say anything crazy? During you know, the thing? Was, yeah, like, did they tape him being like, oh, man, I can't believe all, like, like these elephants are floating across the room. Holy balls. It was more like <laughs> yeah. just footage of him kind of looking stunned and confused yeah. a little bit and then getting sick. Yeah. Um, he wasn't like, here comes the goddess of ayahuasca. Now she's, her snake body is entwining around my spine. It wasn't like right. play by play like that. No, I think that's, him, that like, makes love to the earth. That's in the pay-per-view on Allison. Yeah. Okay. That was extra. <laughs> well, where can we watch this? Because I have not seen it yet. Well, it's on. And I love Josh Gates. Yeah, it's on Discovery. If you have on demand, it's still within that. Yeah, world. and you can you can like buy the episodes. I think. Okay, I'm gonna check Amazon right after the show. I really I really do mean. You it. should see it. You would like it, I think. But the whole thing was neat, and it was especially cool. I thought because uh, it kind of came to my attention as these cable shows do. <laughs> when we were staying in a hotel actually at the shooting star paracon one night you know we all got up to the room and put the tv on as you do because there's all those cable channels <laughs> we're flipping through yes. and it was on and so that caught my attention but then it was one of those you know we only saw part of it and it was like on the next episode and it really left us hanging so i had to go back and watch it but the cool thing was that throughout the series there were several people that we've met and interacted with this year including Chip Coffee had a huge segment and he did a reading. The man that stole my scarf look. <laughs> he, he did. <laughs> but he had a whole setup at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which Scott and I have been mm-hmm. to and wandered around. And he did a reading on Josh Gates. And that was also like, you know, you know how I feel about psychic mediums. I'm, not, I'm still yeah. like the jury's. You're less than medium <laughs> on that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I, but like Chip I Coffee, it's it's not controversial to say the jury's still out on psychic mediums. Well, like, hey, like, I don't know if I believe all of them. Hey, you can say that, Mike, but a lot of people do believe in them and believe that it's legitimate. And from meeting so many people at these paranormal conferences, and we've been to so many of them now that Chip Coffee's been at, and a lot of people have the readings with him, and they come back and they're like, it was unreal. It was so. I was excited to see him like actually do the Josh Gates reading. And then mm-hmm. one more thing. <laughs> they also, in one of the episodes, Josh Gates explores ghost hunting and just the whole, you know, the culture around it, which of course to us is fascinating. And one of the things that he did was he went to the Queen Mary where uh, once again, Grant Wilson comes up here because he was in that episode along with Adam Barry and they do a whole investigation on the, on the Queen Mary, which is another place that I've been to. So the series really resonated with me, and I thought it was a neat way to discuss the whole topic of life after death or whatever is after death for us. And so. Amy Bruni was on that episode oh, as well. Oh, yeah, and that's again, right. These are all people that we met uh, primarily through the uh, Michigan Paracon. Yeah. Right. It's also a great way for the Discovery Channel to promote their other shows. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Because the Discovery Networks own all of that It was stuff. called Crossing Over, so yeah. uh, that episode. Oh, and they also, Allison, right. they also had in one of the episodes, he was a witness at an exorcism so Ooh, yeah yeah that yes that was exciting thank you so much he, he, i can't believe i missed that he also meets with deepak Chopra in one episode oh, really? and um it, it gets into it, it goes to a russian cryogenics lab where the, there's these huge tanks that have like 50 dead bodies and sometimes just severed heads in them 
Um, <laughs> it, it really looks into uh, all sorts of ideas and beliefs and theories about the afterlife. And, and it goes into some uh, very off the beaten path locations. Uh, you guys have heard of the hanging coffins. Uh, I can't even remember what uh, country that's in where they, you oh, know, yeah. try to get ascend people a little bit. So they um, are literally, these coffins are just hanging off of cliff sides or, or way up high in caves. Right. And uh, No, I've never heard of that. Where's oh, that? Okay, we, we, that's an easy one to look up. Uh, uh, yeah, hold on. I can find it right now. He, he also, Josh Gates previously on uh, Destination Truth did a whole episode doing paranormal investigations at that site. But there's another, I think it's a South American uh, culture that where people live with their deceased relatives for a couple of years. And it's just kind of normal that there are corpses in the house that they uh, have sure. their uh, clothes changed. Just like Norman oh, Bates. go, yeah. <laughs> uh, Indonesia. Right, yeah. Uh, people, oh, also, that's where the people uh, live with the mummies. Various, yeah, various locations. China, Philippines, Indonesia. Oh, the hanging hanging coffins. Well, I'll have to get, I gotta get a new background for my computer desktop then. Um, you know... I always think about that that Josh Gates when he was searching for the afterlife in that episode because so we're at the convention and we went like hadn't eaten all day we're just at the booth all day and then went to the buffet and I ate myself <laughs> yes yeah. you did literally like <laughs> so so sad spo- supposed to go hang out at the bar with everybody from the convention and then it was like oh, yeah like you were I out man I for five minutes I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna you were vomit. sick before like, the there, bar. Like, <laughs> I know. I was. I couldn't believe. It. Like I'd never eaten so much that I thought I was gonna vomit, and that's what happened that day. And so we went up to the room, and I just everybody passed out. We just kind of watching Josh Gates in the background, and then I'm like, "Oh my god, we drove eight hours to be here. I've got to go party with somebody or talk to him or something." So I went back downstairs, and I'd lost two hundred bucks the night before, and I want it all back. Well, there you go. Yeah. That night. So I feel it was like lucky. Uh, Josh Gates is my lucky chum. And I'm going to rub his belly every time I go to the casino from now on. Oh, and I'm going to see him in January. And to bring it full circle, Allison, you were in the elevator with him. <laughs> I won. I was close enough to rub In 2018. So. Um, I, I didn't because I thought that might be awkward. But um, <laughs> my husband did talk to him on the phone. He was like, I love you, man. I that love was you. awesome. We're seeing Josh Gates. Uh, when he comes to Milwaukee in January, so I'm excited cool. about that. Now, as far as as far as you know, uh, these paranormal shows uh, for me, uh, Josh Gates has done the best job on those shows because Agreed. you know, as you can see with that you know mini series he did with Afterlife, and he's also done a, a mini series um, through Destination, um, not Destination Truth, sorry, Expedition Unknown, looking for the Yeti. He did mm-hmm. uh, search oh, yeah. for the Yeti as well, so. I mean, he really um, tries to do what hasn't been done before, and he's very in- informed um, culture-wise. So that's yeah, really. Cool. I agree. Well, I think he's the best because they give him some money. Like they let yeah. him actually go places. You know, an expedition. I know they, they get go, to go great to places. They get to yeah. go to Indonesia. Yeah. yeah. You know, like so, yeah, it's different than everything being like whitewashed through. You know, just like this middle class white perspective well the problem is, i mean you're only going to get the middle class white perspective when you only have enough money like the haunted towns guys like the tennessee wraith chasers like they only get they only get to travel like 20 minutes away <laughs> you know for their show they're like oh we get to another place in Some... tennessee or the ghost brothers do they even ever leave oh LA? yeah no they they do a lot of uh southern plantation type stuff which and is they really te- unique austin texas oh yeah they, they went looking oh, for that's emma right. they did go to austin the same <laughs> with our buddies i just mean it was not 
I like the Josh Gates shows because it, you can tell they put enough in the budget where it's like, okay, let's travel the world. And then you can get that cultural stuff and you can learn new things. And it's not just like, hey, we spent all the money on a thermal camera. So this and, is what and we he got. he was a world traveler and adventurer well before he was a TV star. So he does kind of have that cultural perspective. Something I think is neat too. Uh, several years back, he spoke at the Chicago Ghost Conference back when he was doing uh, Destination Truth. And during his keynote speech, he talked about how he's, he doesn't believe in ghosts. He's a he's a cryptozoological guy, but you know, ghosts are what gets views. So he goes out and does ghost hunting. So he's out there like as a skeptic when he was doing that show, ghost hunting. He didn't believe the stuff that he was going to find anything. So I think that kept him extra honest. Uh-huh. And now I think this is a good segue into what I think is the most interesting story of 2018. And uh, when you talk about someone that's a, a cryptozoology guy versus a ghosts guy, and you know I hate how we're trying to define people by their like their genre of weirdness that they're into. Um, but it, I mean, it is good that people have certain focuses. Some people are really into UFOs. Some people are really into ghosts. Some people are really into Bigfoot. But Nick Redfern is mainly a cryptozoology guy. And he'll even say that he doesn't know many ghost stories. And we even when we had him on the show earlier, and we, we interviewed him and had him, asked him a ghost story of his own, he's like, oh, I've got too many ghost stories. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that was up at Shooting uh, Star. Yeah, and he didn't even have that many, but uh, he yeah. was still willing to share one at least. But a cryptozoology guy whose book on the Slender Man really affected a lot of what I was thinking about this year. And that's because we, we started talking about tulpas when we were talking about people seeing Santa Claus in real life last year. And you guys would not equate seeing Santa Claus to seeing the, um, you know, like Bigfoot, right? No, no, no. You don't well, think of it like that. Like Big, no, Bigfoot, would, Bigfoot like isn't just sitting in, in the right. mall in a throne. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. I'm Does he sit on a throne in the woods? That would be great. <laughs> I don't think anybody did like Santa Bigfoot on the throne. That, uh, yeah, we got we to talk to Jay Bacocci But the thing is, that. you wouldn't say, okay, if, if someone told you, I saw a UFO, I saw like a flying saucer in the sky, and it was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that in my life. You'd be like, oh my God, I, I think I believe you. If, you said... You know, people like, I saw a ghost. I saw a Civil War soldier walk through my bedroom, and I've never seen anything like it. We've had that in Madison. People have seen Civil War soldiers at Camp Randall right here. And they're like, yeah, I, I mean, I can believe that because it, be, uh, it could be a ghost of a Civil War soldier who died here. It could be a recording, like a haunting, like it somehow was taped, the, the stone, stone tape, tape theory. theory. Yep. Um, and so that's believable. But when somebody says to you, I saw Santa Claus, you want to punch him in their stupid face. Yeah, oh, so violent. <laughs> like, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> we, we get passionate about this stuff. I just don't like liars. I saw Hanukkah Harry once. I saw the Tooth Fairy. I know you saw the Tooth Fairy. It doesn't make me want to punch you, Wendy. That's not what I Thank mean. Thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> but what it means is, is that it's just, you feel like when somebody says they saw something ridiculous or something that's obviously fictional, it ma- it like you feel like they're making fun of you. Oh, you saw a UFO? I saw Santa. you know that kind of thing so the so that brings me to what i think is the most fascinating thing that i've been reading about and researching in 2018 and that's tulpas Mm -hmm. Mm. and nick really brings it forward in his book uh you know the the slender man mysteries and he throws in a little exploitation stuff too in there which is obviously i enjoy that part of the, the the work but you know this idea that the slender man stabbing happened the day after they talked about it on Coast to Coast, I mean, and we, we've talked about this many times, and, and Allison, you talk about it right in the book, right. in Nick's book. 
Yeah, because I, I heard it, ha- you know, happening almost in real time. You know, so the idea of tulpas or our reality being more malleable than we would think. I mean, I think that ha- is coming um, coming to fruition. I mean, it, it is it is becoming more popular, more accepted. And, uh, you know, I think the borders of our reality, uh, you know, we're not, not building the wall fast enough because things are coming through. That's right. And I'm, I'm really, really excited about that, especially when you think about like chaos, chaos magic, for example, you know, the ideas that these constructions that we make, like Superman, for example, you know, when I said that, everybody here, you know, got a picture, a clear picture of Superman in their mind that you could call uh, him definitely in Definitely the Christopher ritual. Reeve version, just right. saying. That, but that you could call him in, in a magical ritual. You could call that energy in. The idea that that the, these are energies that we can play with um, as as human beings. We have this power to reshape our reality um, using these these constructions, and that they do have do have some reality. You know, it's too easy to say, oh, the you know the Tibetan thought form, the tulpa, and because it's not really. Uh, I think we're misstating uh, the Buddhist belief by saying that it comes uh, from Buddhism because they do have these ideas of several souls and emanations happening of a you know a soul from your head. You know, you think about something, you contemplate something, uh, you can make something happen. But it's really a theosophist. It's really an early twentieth century idea. This idea of the thought form is kind of borrowed from Buddhism and then By transformed. Madame yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Madame Blavatsky. We like Madame Blavatsky. That's right. We talked about her with Gary Lackman earlier this year. And um, so this, I, I mean, Alexandra David uh, Neal, I'm not sure if I say it right because it's yeah. an accent mark. Alexandra David Neal. Yeah, she was the, awesome. Uh, yeah. And well, she's the one who basically gives us this idea of the tulpa in this, these, she quote, magic formations generated by a powerful concentration of thought. And, you know, she said that these you know monks that she was studying in Tibet, she was saying that they would like make tulpas to do like the housework. Oh and my God! How can how I get convenient. the guidebook? That is what my Christmas present should have been, Mike. The but <laughs> right <laughs> nice. house cleaning. That sounds like a manahuni though, too. <laughs> oh yeah, it's all good. But okay, so we get into it. So uh, the Slender Man then becomes a tulpa that people see in real life because it, there's so much psychic energy focused on it. Santa Claus becomes something that we see in real life because so many people believe in Santa Claus. My daughter talking about Santa today. She's like, where'd Santa go? I'm like, he's at the North Pole. What, what's he doing? He's sleeping because he had to deliver all those presents. <laughs> you know, he's like, he, he worked really hard. He's for in a, a sugar coma too. International- <laughs> <laughs> Aww. And so, like, you have that, like, people see that Wendy sees the Tooth Fairy because she believes in the Tooth Fairy. Can we hear a little bit of that story again? <laughs> oh, I just, when I was young, I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw a lady with long flowing hair and a, a long dress standing right next to my dresser. And it was a Tooth Fairy. Wow. <laughs> what, 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 what made you think it was the Tooth Fairy? I don't know. I just knew for some reason did you have a tooth she had pliers and she was yanking yeah did you have a tooth on offer under the pillow or something I actually don't remember but I told my family and they've loved that story ever since (laughs) they've never let you forget (laughs) they've never stopped mocking me for it (laughs) I love that story yeah me too um 
you know, but this idea that, uh, and well, it really comes up, and, and Nick talks about it in the Slender Man. Uh, we talked about it in the Santa Claus episode, and the, you know, there's an X Files episode about it where like a tulpa gets created and it goes off on its own, and it's killing people, and it's played <laughs> by a guy from Rancid, a uh, sweet nice. band. Um, but then it, you know, it, it starts coming up later in uh, in the Beast of Bray Road movie. The documentary that Seth Breedlove made this year, halfway through, it goes from cryptozoology, so this idea that there is a beast of Bray Road, like sneaking around in southeastern Wisconsin, even though I feel like if there was a werewolf sneaking around in southeastern Wisconsin, we would have seen, you know, like see him all the time. Because uh, there's feel, you know, the more mutilated cows and stuff. But that's kind of why it switches to, okay, there's a beast of Bray Road as a cryptozoology, to the beast of Bray Road as like this evil entity that's been brought forth from the other side. And it changes to like we conjured the beast of Bray Road with like satanic rituals and magic and things. Oh yeah. man! Magic. Right. So we're moving from things that you know. I would say in the seventies, you get stories of Bigfoot and stories of cryptids, and it's straight physical materialist. Kind of like Lauren Coleman was talking about it this year in Michigan. He was saying that he thinks that it's completely, you know, he's a complete materialist. And that's what Nick Redfern said, too, until he started learning more and more about people seeing things that are obviously fictional and obviously not real. So are we conjuring Bigfoot in our heads? Are we conjuring the Beast of Bray Road in our heads? Are we conjuring Santa? What else are we conjuring? Slender right. Man. <laughs> yeah, did we conjure Donald Trump into his presidency? That's what yeah. um, Gary Lachman's latest book is, is all about, Dark Star Rising, that people made that happen. Through black magic. Well, I think it was he's destined to lead the space force to victory over the aliens from the <laughs> Oumuamua when they come here to invade. Yeah. <laughs> the aliens from Oumuamua. That's great. I would read a Trump Zenu comic book. Do you think he's going to even be able to pronounce Oumuamua? Who just can? Gonna... <laughs> I can barely pronounce it, but um, I got that vowel problem. But um, yeah, like I, I'm just really excited about you know 2019 because I I think. Things are changing for better and for worse, but you know we're seeing that we have more power over uh, reality than we might have thought. And this is why I don't like actually going back to the New York Times and NBC News talking about the old stuff, UFOs and disclosure. Is you know it, what is Robert Bigelow going to deliver us an alien body? It's the same crap they've been selling for a long time and it's the same argument people have back and forth i think we talk about like dean radin's book real magic and he goes into how he's proving magic in the lab but you got to do the ritual you got to you know you got to you got to twirl around three times say abracadabra and conjure a picture of sabrina the teenage witch in your head in order to actually and then it'll work you have to you know you have to say bloody mary in the mirror and you got to believe it you know, yeah, it's right. not yeah. just the ritual, but the ritual helps you believe it. it right. You know, this is a compelling area, like with the placebo and the nocebo effect. Something real is happening there that affects our reality. And this is something we need to look into closer. And if we get pulled back into the old arguments, I think it's I, th- I just think we're going to lose it. I th- and I and I almost feel like the government wants us to talk about disclosure because then we're not talking about how the fact when they're tracking Santa's radar on Christmas Eve, they're actually tracking something. <laughs> <laughs> ba, ba, ba. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and so I, when I see that, when we, you know, we just watched the Area 51 or tried to make it through the first half of the, the Area 51 documentary on Bob Lazar. Right. Yeah, over and, Christmas. This is what we do, people. Yeah, and it, it it's the same old, and if you guys aren't familiar with Area 51, um, probably listen to another podcast. Right. I'm sure we got a primer uh, in there somewhere. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, is that this guy said he worked at Area 51 in the 1980s. He worked there for a few weeks and then his mind was blown because he saw these flying saucers. And then he immediately went to the news and he was a whistleblower. And he can't like prove his credentials. He says the government like took away his MIT degree. Right. And and it's, you know, we were listening to this when it was first coming out 30 years ago. So yeah. so to us, it's nothing new. And like Scott was saying at the beginning of the podcast, it's it's like everything old is new again. That, you know, time is cyclical. Like it's, it's coming back on itself. And, like fashion. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe right. maybe that's what's happening here. But you Except hyper color t-shirts are never coming back. I, just, I don't know my... <laughs> but, but I'm just saying like with Art Bell's... Zubas? With, with Art Bell's passing... In you know 2018, um, it just felt right to me to, that all these things, these topics that he brought to the forefront, but to the forefront in the middle of the night. I mean, how much to the mm-hmm. forefront was that? And now it's on the pages of the New York Times. You know, now um, it's respectable to talk about alien spacecraft. Uh, so yes, this, these documentaries, um, I think. Just the footage itself would be interesting without all the, um, you know, the trumped up stuff that, that, uh, you know, like the voiceover and the, the, you know, showy music and all that, you know, to, to try to make it weirder. I mean, it's weird enough as it is. And I, I think, you know, there is something in there of value. I agree. And I think the discussion is worth having. But I mean, I feel like we've been having this the same discussion for a long time. And that's why the thing is, okay, Harvard researchers are seeing something weird on this craft that's coming out, you know, that's 15 million, year, I mean, 15 million miles away. Um, they're seeing things that are not what you would say, uh, natural effects, natural gravity, natural right. light, things like that. Which reminds one of, of Independence Day when, when they... They have this object, you know, near Earth object, and it's decelerating. <laughs> you know, well, well, in this case, it accelerated when it came, you know, when it came closer to the sun. Yeah, and actually, that, that exactly what I was going to say. And, and maybe I'll have a link. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes. But uh, it's on, from Vox, and it really gets into how this tra- trajectory of this thing came in, and it was definitely between Earth and the sun, so it was very close. And um, yeah. its trajectory going away somehow it accelerated. So of its own volition, uh, at this point, they know how things move through space. And this thing is like 25,000 kilometers ahead of where they think it should have been by now. So how did that happen? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's even a TED talk about it. You know, people look look into Oumuamua. Uh, hey, I said it that time. Nice. There you go. And I that's, get a cookie and now. Why it's excited is, be, is because they just haven't talked about And that's almost like Rendezvous with Rama kind of. In the, um, oh, the, yes. Ar- the Arthur C. Clarke book, that's almost, you know, one of the ways we could detect alien life may not be because the government is hiding them in the Nevada desert. In the actual TED Talk, uh, one of the researchers said that, that they did originally name it Rama because of, of that story. And, oh, uh, cool. But, but then they changed it because a, a Hawaiian telescope discovered it. So they wanted to give it a Hawaiian name. 
And you know that uh, funny thing is also in the in the book why they call it Rama is because when they're looking at interstellar objects, they ran out of Greek and Roman deities and mythology to name things after. So then they started moving to um, because Arthur C. Clarke lived in Sri Lanka. Then they moved. He was thinking Hindu deities. But you could you could just go through as we go through the sky. Okay, now we're out of Hindus. Now let's go to Hawaiian. Now we're on Hawaiian. Right. Now let's go to. Um, <laughs> You know, different, the Germanic uh, or whatever. So that's, just, that's a fun thing. Um, interesting also, Morgan Freeman owned the rights to Rendezvous with Rama for years and tried to get it made and oh. just could never get funded. Aww. Aww. And now sweet. he's like 160. He can still narrate. <laughs> no, he's not that old. But I think he could still do it. You know, you know now with, with all this, you know, new fascination and all these strange things, do well, it. Well, I... <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I haven't read it for about 25 years, but I remember it. it's an awesome book and I recommend it. But that's the thing. It's, it's a new way of looking at stuff. And that's what I'm excited about. That's, that's the thing in 2018, why Tulpa's excited me, because I never really thought of this idea that we could, you know, think things to life. Like, it seems so ridiculous to me until you have these reports of people seeing things where there was a ton of psychic energy behind it. And I think that's why it's so fascinating. That's why I'm interested in talking about it in 2019 because, okay, we can't find the Bigfoot poop. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we can't get the ghosts on film in the way we want yeah. to. You know? It's like, oh, there's a, look, there's a, there's a noise. I got the EVP. Yeah. It but says it loves me. It loves me. <laughs> we do know that there's a nocebo and placebo effect. You know, we we do have some research-based uh, information on exactly what you're talking about, Mike. And, you know, we have tons of beliefs around it. We have tons of people out there, you know, practicing chaos magic and other rituals, you know, to try to summon this power. Right. And so let's summon... Um Let's summon some more Patreons <laughs> in 2019. <laughs> All right. Let's make we're, we're having a chaos ritual uh, every month. You guys can check that out at othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Let's um, do it. But either way, uh, those were our favorite things in 2018. Uh, time bleeds. Maybe, you know, are we being haunted by ourselves? Uh, Josh Gates and the Search for the Afterlife. Make sure you check that out. Um, look up Amuamua. It's going to blow your mind. This is all going to be in the show notes. And then... Uh, tulpas, you know, thoughts are things. Be careful what you think about because you don't want it showing up under your <laughs> That's bed. right. And those show notes you can find oh. at othersidepodcast.com slash 229. And talking about paranormal highlights, and I said this to Wendy earlier today, my paranormal highlight of all of the places we've been all over the country this year, uh, the highlight for me is every month getting together with those awesome Patreons, sharing our stories, yes. feeling the sense of awesome community of us fellow weirdos. And all the cool stuff that they've tipped us yeah. off to and some crazy movies that we've watched and some incredible places that we got to visit. And, uh, and wonderful people awesome. we got to visit. Right. Including yes. Chelsea and yes. Chuck. Yes. <laughs> and we see yeah. Dr. Ned at almost every show. Uh, and so obviously we shout out to Dr. Ned in every episode because he's at the Patreon level where he gets a shout out in every Thanks, episode. Thanks, Ned. And we love so, Dr. Ned. Yes. Yeah. And okay. And the thing is, we're actually finishing up right ah. here and then we're going off to do a Patreon hangout we tonight. Are. We're looking forward to it. Now, the song this week, and you're going to be able to find the song on Spotify and find it on Bandcamp. The song this week is inspired by 2018 was the year of the dog. And unfortunately, it was supposed to be a very unlucky year. And that's what the song this week is about. It's called Year of the Dog. And you can check that out at Spotify. There'll be a link in the show notes at othersidepodcast.com slash 229. Now, everybody, let's get a plug and go party for the new year. Allison, where can they find more about you? They can find more about me and 
MilwaukeeCoast.com and HawaiiParacon.com. Okay. Scott, if they want to read some of your fascinating around the paranormal, where can yeah. they find uh, that? What'sYourGhostStory.com is the website, and I'll do a little year in review of the top 10 coolest haunted locations I've been to this past year. Fantastic. And Wendy, where can they find us? They can find us at OtherSidePodcast.com and also at SunspotUniverse.com. It's uh, Twitter. I'm Sunspot Wendy. And I'm Sunspot Mike. <laughs> All right. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. I wish you the best, and I look forward to seeing what 2019 has to bring us. It's going to be a weird year, I think. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at OtherSidePodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. It says it loves me. It loves me. If you have an alien sex cult, please send me your information.